I'm Dano, back here again with another Read Aloud Dinner Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping family units grow in love together by teaching them how to read aloud as a family. Hey, would you mind doing me a favor? Would you please rate this podcast and drop a review? This just helps me better serve you. Now, I mean, I could talk to myself all day and that's fine. And I do most of, I do most of the time as a college instructor, but I would like to talk to you and help answer your questions. So please drop a review or leave a question, or you could email me at dano at danielbernstrom.com. And I'd love to get your question answered here on the Read Aloud Dinner podcast. So today what we're doing what we're doing is we're going to talk about the fifth item in the Bernstrom Reading Framework. Remember, it's a plan that helps inspire reading in kids and families. And the fifth item is going to ask the read aloud practitioner to use the local library. We're going to be talking about that right now. So the Bernstrom Reading Framework, simply put, is a, an step or a checklist of six items. Number one, you're going to set a time to read aloud. This could, It doesn't have to be at dinner. This is what our family does. But you're going to set a time at night, um, in the morning, sometime after school, sometime to read aloud as a family or read individually with your child. And you're going to read for about 20 minutes. You're going to set a timer for 20 minutes. And you're, you're going to try to hit that magic number. Now, you really don't need to spend more than 20 minutes. 20 minutes is kind of like, I think, a magic number for many things. Uh, 20 minutes of reading a day will really put you ahead of a lot of people. Now, you can always read for more, but think of 20 minutes as like the ideal or optimal time. Don't ask me where I got that. It's just a general thing that we talk about. Hey, read for, do this for 20 minutes and you'll be okay. So, the next thing is read developmentally appropriate books. Now, you want to read developmentally appropriate books to inspire the reader, but also to include the reader. So don't try to read something that's like uh, War and Peace to your fifth grader. War and Peace to your fifth grader might be a little bit above their level. So try to stay away from that. And then model reading comprehension. Ask questions. Do you, um, ask questions listen to stories, make reading aloud something that's uh, a conversation with the text rather than just, hey, I'm reading to you, don't talk, I'm reading. Like, Allow for those interruptions. I remember someone telling me that they read to their kid and their kid would be playing as they read and she said, I never thought he was listening, but I realized that he was because he would just come up to me and say, hey, mom, what about this? So just because someone doesn't seem like they're paying attention, maybe they're playing on the floor, it's okay. They're probably listening to you whether you know it or not. And th and then um, the one we're talking about today is use the local library, but the last one is teach phonics. And we'll deal with that in the next episode. So use the local library is what we're talking about. Why are we gonna dedicate a whole episode to using the local library? Well, there is this wonderful little place that stores books for free. 
for absolute free. I mean, because taxpayers pay for it. But you can have this massive library and access it for free. And if there's something that you don't have, you can order it and go there and pick it up, read it, and then return it. It's the, it, it is the best thing ever. So I do a lot of research. I use a local library. Those librarians at the library are there to help you for that research too. So I, I often ask the librarians, hey, can you help me find this? Or hey, this is what I'm doing. And they'll find it, they'll order it. They help me out with a lot of projects. I'm working on a project right now, trying to write like a younger chapter book. And so I went to the library and found a bunch of stuff and the librarians are really helpful finding things for me. I mean, that's what they that's what librarians live for. They live for helping people find good books and they even made some good recommendations. So go to your local library and ask them, hey, I'd like to read aloud at dinner with my family. What would you recommend would be good books? And then especially a children's librarian, will be able to answer that, that, that question for you. And they'll say, hey, kids are loving these, this book these days. Oh, this was the book that I see checked out a lot. And that's a really good way to get you started reading. Now, remember I said that in order to start reading a lot as a family, that I highly recommend picture books. Picture books are just the best thing in the world. No one's going to ever convince me otherwise. Picture books are the way to go. Now, you can start by reading one picture book at dinner. Now, you didn't hit that 20-minute mark, which is kind of that magic mark. You didn't hit that 20-minute mark, but, hey, you're you're starting the process. So, hey, I'm going to start. If, if you hear anything snoring, I have a baby in my arms. I have a nine-month-old Edsel sleeping here as daddy's doing his podcast. But, hey, I mean, my wife often says that, my voice puts people to sleep. And maybe that, that's the same for you, but it's certainly true for my kids. So maybe you just want to listen to this podcast to put yourself to sleep. Absolutely. I'd be more than willing to be that wonderful sleep guide for you this this day or this night, whatever you're watch, listening to this. But use the local library. Ask the librarians for help in selecting a text for your family. Use picture books. Start there. And then maybe you can start to move into long, longer picture books, especially picture books that, 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 that engage children. I think one of the mistakes that we can make as readers is that we can pick books that we loved versus what the children love. You want to focus on the child to, to get them to stay at the table longer, to interact as a family longer. Now, why do I emphasize this idea of family? If you don't want to emphasize the idea of family, then then please stop listening to this podcast. I don't mean to be mean. I don't mean to be um, make you shame. I don't mean to shame you. You do your family your way, okay? But if you're here because you're like, hey, I'd like something more. I want. I'm tired of watching the TV. I'm tired of not engaging with my children. I feel like like they're growing up so fast, or I feel that I, I want to spend connection with them. Like I need to spend connection with them. And I would say, absolutely. 18 years is not long enough to raise a child these days. And as my children are growing up fast, I'm like, wow, they're about to enter this preteen and then soon teenage stage. And I'm realizing if I don't develop a relationship with them 
now, then it's going to be harder to talk to them when they're teenagers. If I don't model to them reading and inquiry and questions and maybe even bringing up some things that are a little bit uncomfortable, and we've had some of those conversations at the dinner table, that we bring up things that aren't necessarily talked about by much because the book brings it up. And so then mom and dad are there to guide the child through that rather than then the child thinking that they need to solve it on their own or they're ashamed to fo- to solve it on their own or that they're alone and they're hiding things from mom and dad versus mom and dad are here to guide you. Mom and dad are here for you. Books also help you, the parent, um, empathize. It also will give you a, a, a window into what your child is what's going on in the world or what children think. So sometimes it's like, oh, what are these kids thinking? Well, children's writers have done a very good job diving into the psyche of a child. Not necessarily with picture books, but if, if you start to like Junie B. Jones or Cordelia or Ivy and Bean or, or um, Ramona the Pest, they, they do a really good job of like getting into the mind of what kids like or what's funny or Captain Underpants, that's what they think, and that's how they think, and that's that's their psyche. Now we can we can push their psychology into the into a place that we want them to be. One of the biggest mistakes I make with children is that I, I expect them to be adults. I expect my daughter to be an adult right now and know everything and know how to make these great moral choices that have taken me years to 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 even attempt mastery unless I'm, I'm not the i'm not the most perfect person i make tons of mistakes all the time and yet i i expect my daughter or sons to be better than i and and i think i think that, that that's cruel to children to expect something that they need to be taught and the best way to teach them that is through books and through of course modeling and the characters in the books often go through these moral journeys and they have to make these moral choices. And this really guides not only the, the child, but this also guides the parent and, and as to what are the difficult choices kids really need to make, what's complicated in this. And then I think what happens is you engage your child, you engage their interest and now all of a sudden you can have an open conversation where you're not like, oh, I'm going to tell you what to do and I'm always right. But mom and dad can say, hey, I, I don't necessarily know what's going on or I have a question too about this. And then that that kind of, lead, you know, you are the guide on the side or you, you help discover things. But you can also though, also know what your child is dealing with because parents like we kind of know oh a child is dealing with these things and so we're going to introduce books that will encourage them along the path that we'd like them to go a good example of this is we were doing uh, we wanted our children to have better manners better manners at home and better manners when they go to other people's house so we got this book on manners by a princess and it's awful i should link it in the show notes below Manners Begin at Breakfast by Princess whatever her name is. And she's a princess from Greece. It's a good book. Um, it's not necessarily written for kids, but it has really beautiful illustrations. And so I as the reader or mom as the reader would kind of read 
you know, through the book and eliminate certain parts that maybe kids might not need. But in that book, we talked about table manners, sitting, asking for permission to rise from the table or not. We talked about cell phone use at the table. We talked about appropriate behavior when we go other places or sitting down at a restaurant. Now, because of that book, at a restaurant, we often bring a game. So we'll bring Uno, we'll bring coloring sheets, something that, that helps the kids wait for the food. And I, I mean, it's been more times that I can count that people have come to my wife and I and said, your children are so well behaved. Now, I wish like, I mean, I wish I was a genius of a parent and like, yes, my children are behaved and we're the most excellent parents and everyone else is terrible. That's not the case at all. We read, we read a book as a family at dinner that said, hey, from a princess from Greece and, you know, all her expectations because, you know, her children are royalty and now her children should act like royalty. She lays out here, here are some, here are ways that I handle the demands of having people look at my children and expect them to behave in a proper way. I do make it easy on them. Like we do play a game. There are some, there's ways to distract them from, from what's going on. And all of a sudden you look like a genius right? Check out that book at the library because this is about the library. Check out the book, books, sorry, Manners Begin at Breakfast and just start reading maybe small portions of it, uh, how to set a dinner table. And then, and then the kids, it's great because then the kids, um, they, the, they start fighting over who gets to sit at the dinner table and making sure that it's done the right way. And you could even draw out, like take a piece of paper and draw out the proper place settings and then that's your like map and they set it out well well you know my kids don't want to do that they just want to watch tv we'll turn off the tv and you're like oh my goodness you know you know dano how how, how dare you like do this you got to start small okay you got to start small begin small help them in, enjoy reading at the table because i I'm pretty much guaranteed that when you read at the table, especially good picture books, they're going to look forward to it. Sometimes I'm so tired and I don't want to read. And and my children say, Dad, it's time to read the book. And they're done eating. They are done eating. And, and, and they're like, and they will sit at the table for 10, 20 minutes longer just so I can read or my wife can read to them. That is the magic of all this. But you have to build that endurance. And part of it is going to the library. One of my pet peeves, and I'm sorry, because I am going to shame some people, not on purpose, but just let's just be honest. One of my pet peeves is when I go to the library, and this just happened the other day, is I was at the library and and someone I knew was there and their their child was at the electronic devices, the computers in the library, playing a game. And all around this child were beautiful books, expensive books, books with amazing illustrations and great stories. And they had gone to a mindless piece of technology. It's not the child's fault, but it's, it, it's the allure. It's the siren song of technology that doesn't add to focus, that actually distracts. Think social media, think um, think of what goes into making technology exciting. And 
I mean, I guess that's why, like, I do this as a podcast, like, just so you could listen to it, and maybe while you're cleaning up or doing something, put limits on technology. I'm not, uh, I mean, heck, my my major in college was electronic media communications, video editing, audio editing, website design. My master's thesis was on technology and children's literature. This has been something that's been my Un, unknown passion for a long time. I didn't realize I was a passionate about technology and, and, and media. Um, I didn't realize I was as passionate as I do now. But the what I realized in, in writing my master's thesis, because I, I was actually pro-technology. I thought that technology would actually increase the access to the book. My master's thesis taught me otherwise. Um, technology, especially TV, is is really does lead to a, an attention deficit. Um, how do I say this? Attention deficit for children. It it because, because it's flashy. I mean, like there are some great shows like Blue's Clues, great show. Daniel Tiger, great show. So there are some wonderful shows that you can that you can give to your child, but um it, an unrestricted amount of TV is is actually dangerous. It really is. I mean, Check the literature. It's not just me saying that. So you get giving access, just unrestricted access to technology without guidance is should not be done, I will say. So my you know, my children watch television. We what they have we have Disney Plus, we, we they watch PBS Live, but it's literally limited to about forty minutes less than 40 minutes a day. Um, um, I can think of many days, like I think, I'm trying to think of last week. I think maybe we, it was just on the weekends, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No, not Friday. It was Friday and Sunday where they watched shows. So it was it was uh, one movie, so an hour and a half. And then on the next day, it was um, two shows, so 40 minutes, 40, 50 minutes. And that was it for the week. Oftentimes we are well below seven hours. Um, well, <laughs> well below. I mean, we're well below four hours a week for television for our children, and technology, computer, all of that. iPad, hardly at all. If they can use the iPad, it's with mom and dad present there with the iPad, and they can do it for fifteen minutes. Now you're like, whoa! You are you are pretty militant about this yeah i mean i am and maybe you could say yeah maybe too much so i mean i will accept that criticism wholeheartedly however i give my kids media i give my kids a lot of media and my children spend hours reading books a day alone in the afternoon so at a, after about 12 one o'clock they go upstairs to their bedrooms and they're supposed to spend two to three hours in their bedroom alone whole time. And you're like, oh my goodness, do your children really spend two to three hours in their bedrooms alone? Yeah, they do. You know, it took some doing. Everything takes some doing. But um, this is based off of that idea of sustained silent reading. So we really encourage sustained silent reading in our children reading books or interacting with, 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 with media. So we're not anti-media, we're just anti 
flashy attention deficit creating media. So our children, they, um, my, my daughter, she's reading, she's eight. She read the, she read End of Green Gables just recently, the whole, the whole series. She has read, I mean, her, I mean, her, her favorites are the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. I mean, she just, she, she gets through those in three hours. I mean, she'll, she'll be done. She'll be done with that book. And at first when that happened, she started reading books that fast. Like I didn't believe her because like I, I read the books myself, so I knew it and I would quiz her and she would be able to answer the questions that I quizzed her on. I'm like, well, you really are reading this fast. That's what sustained silent reading for that amount of time does. And books really do take the child away into like another place. So the child can rest and sleep, which many of them do, or they can stay and they just flip through books. And where do they get these books for this sustained silent reading, they get them from the library. So, do I recommend mandating your child go and spend three hours immediately upstairs in their bedroom? No, I do not recommend that. I would recommend like, hey, you're going to spend half an hour, and here are some books. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, let, let's spend half an hour, and then slowly move it up to 40 minutes, and then move it up to an hour, and then can inc increase that amount of time. Schools recommend that this happens. Schools recommend like about an hour a day. The more reading you do, the, the better off your child will do in school. So they're, they're all for this type of thing. So sustained silent reading for a large chunk of time is amazingly beneficial to your child versus, hey, I'm going to stick you in front of the TV and um, not even police what you're viewing or seeing. And, and so where there's a potential damage with the TV in which we have no problem sitting someone in front of the TV or the iPad or a video game for, for one, one to three hours. We have no problem with that. Hey, go sit in front of this video game or TV or watch two movies. That's three hours. But it, we do have a problem by saying, go spend alone time in your room interacting with media. That, that all of a sudden becomes cruel. I disagree. I think if you don't give child the child freedom and they don't get to go to they don't get to go to the library to select the books that they like, yes, that could be cruel. So you give them something that they enjoy, you give them the choice of the books that they select at the library, and guess what will happen next time they go to the library? They're going to find books that they really want to spend time with because they know they have 3 hours to interact with that book. Anyway, back to my story. So this kid is there with the media and he's surrounded by books and it really just broke my heart. It just did. I'm like, you know, my kids go to the library. They know there's no way dad is ever, dad or mom is going to let them touch that computer ever. They get plenty of computer for school. Actually, they, you know, when my, my, my daughter in the summer, her reading goes goes up by quite a bit. And then when she gets to school, her reading drops. Like school actually decreases her amount of reading. My guess it's because of the technology. I understand she loves school, school's great. But um, I think what's going on in some schools isn't really encouraging reading. And I under I understand like, oh man, Daniel, you're just leveling criticisms left and right. I don't mean to, I'm just, I'm just trying to say, Reading is so essential. It's so important. And it, it doesn't have to be 
reading like by yourself. It could be audiobooks that you're listening to. It could be this podcast that you're listening to. It could be some quiet time that someone is essentially reading to you or you maybe have a book next to you or something that inspires you to to be better versus something that that literally entertains you. There's this great book we read in college called um, Amusing Ourselves to Death and how TV is literally killing us and how TV and social media, we are living in, we are living in a digital, we, we prefer to live in a digital world. Or we prefer to live a digital life rather than a real one. And I get passionate about this and, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to let the critics critique me and make fun of me and, and say I'm wrong because I don't want to live a digital life. I want to live a real one. As soon as the virtual reality headsets and stuff started coming out, I was immediately incredibly concerned and I, and I will not let my child go near a virtual reality headset. Fine if a school does it, where they're going to show maybe something like, hey, let's go walk the Coliseum or let's go tour this, let's go tour the Louvre. Sure, I'm fine. I'm fine with correct parameters and guidelines and guardrails around technology. I love that. But I was just watching a video on TikTok where a um, someone was playing virtual reality and they were, first of all, they were like punching someone. And you should have seen the joy that this person had destroying another human being. And you're like, well, they're doing it virtually. One thing you'll learn about this podcast is I'm Catholic. I'm unapologetically Catholic. And in Catholic theology, we, um, we, we believe the words of Jesus. And Jesus said, if you, if you hate someone in your heart, you're guilty of murder. And I really want to take that idea and kind of pull it through a little bit more. The joy that this person had beating someone else up or or even these games where you shoot somebody and you kill them. Well, it's done virtually. It doesn't matter. But the joy you have in your heart is equivalent to murder. And that is not the kind of thing that I want in my house. Anyway, this person... And they're on TikTok, and they're and they're they have the virtual um, headset on, and they're beating they're beating somebody up, and they're like, yeah, 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 and they're beating up, and they have like all this joy, and then they turn around, they turn around, and in their headset they see someone coming at them, they scream and they run and they hit a wall, they hit a wall, crash into it, they fall down, and their headset pops off. Don't tell me that an an extra immersive experience into technology is not dangerous and that murder or attacking someone and we're talking about the the adrenaline levels we're talking about trauma we're talking about what the brain because virtuality is trying to trick the brain don't tell me that that doesn't have some negative or dangerous effect and i say completely and so you would rather live in a fake digital world, living in social media, living in Facebook, living in Instagram, living in Snapchat and Twitter, rather than in the real one. You'd rather live in TV and your Netflix shows and Disney Plus, 
rather than live in the real one with your family. Yes, it is hard, and yes, it's messy, and yes, they scream at you and yell at you, and there's problems, but this is what life really is, and this is, and this what is what makes life worth living. I want to live a real life in all its ups and downs and depression and sorrow and crying. This is why I feel like I'm here. I'm here for my daughter to, for, so that she knows that I, that I love her. And I'm here for my sons so that they know that I love them. I'm not here digitally. I'm here in real life. And I, their value is not based on a digital construction that's edited and filtered and not real. I love my real children for who they really are. And so I am very, very against unrestricted access to technology. Like I said, I've used, I mean, I use Twitter, I use Instagram, I use Facebook. These are all, I feel like, very good things, but with guardrails, with parameters, with restrictions. So my wife and I, we, we don't have technology at the table. We don't use technology at night. We have we have restrictions. But one thing that we don't have restrictions on is the library. One thing we don't have restrictions on are picture books and books that children can read because, I mean, first of all, the reading makes them tired. The reading makes them, it stretches their brain, helps them grow in love and empathy. And if you need help, if you need help for picking books, I mean, you're going to go on Amazon, and you're going to check out reviews. Again, nothing wrong with Amazon, but you're going to go to an impersonal platform and look for something rather than go to a librarian, a living, breathing human being that has seen children grab books or knows what's being checked out a lot. Go to that real person and say, hey, this is what I want to do. Can you help me? What would you recommend? They're your gift. They're a huge gift. And the worst thing that could really happen to our children and to society would be if li libraries and librarians were not employed or they disappeared or people stopped appreciating them. If there's one thing I want you to know, because I'm over time, darn it, that's how, I, that's how I do it. One thing I want you to know is I want you to use the library have your children spend time in the library and do not let them go near the digital devices. That's not what the library is for. Have them go and pick up the physical books. Have them sit down and look through it. Help them get a, help them get a stack of books. It, it's worth the library fine if you have one. Pay it gladly because you're helping people read. You have the resources to do it. Anyone, I mean, the light, and, and you can negotiate library fines. Just, just, just go to the library, engage with the library, and it will change your life. It will change your child's life, and yeah, that's that's what we're that's what we had today. I'm sorry that it went a little long. This is Dano with the Read Aloud Dinner Podcast. I hope this was inspiring. I'm sorry if I shamed you. Just 
you know, rate me, rate me terrible or shoot me an email and say, hey, could you explain this more? Or maybe you can even challenge me and say, hey, consider this. I'd love to have that conversation. I'm really open-minded and uh, um, look forward to having that conversation here on the Read Aloud Dinner podcast.